0: Our gospel readings from John, and it's just a reminder, a clear reminder of the message of salvation um, that Jesus gives. So listen to the good news proclaimed in the gospel of John, chapter 3, beginning at the first verse. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing. If God were not with him in reply Jesus declared I tell you the truth no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again how can a man be born when he is old Nicodemus asked surely he cannot enter the womb a a second time into his mother's womb to be born Jesus answered I tell you the truth no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit flesh gives birth to flesh But the spirit gives birth to the spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. And from verse 16. For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the Gospel of Christ. Praise As we're standing, let's pray. Lord God, you know our hearts, you know where we are. And Lord, you would speak to us. So I pray, Lord, that we be open to the message that you would give to each one of us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Please have a seat. Firstly, happy, happy Father's Day to all the men. And those who are not fathers yet, that message that you're spiritual fathers and God calls you, um, yeah, I hope you've been spoiled this morning. But it's also a reminder of that responsibility. Steve's not here. He's actually with my middle daughter having a dad and daughter weekend this weekend. Um, So yeah, it's good to have that responsibility um, that we have as, uh, well not that we, that you have as fathers and to take it seriously. We're carrying on our series on Church Alive and while it's not a specific message for Father's Day. It's an important message that, as individuals, what is the best gift as a father that you can give to your family? And that is not so much the physical and the emotional, but it's to be spiritually alive. So I pray you'd receive that today. And we're carrying on with Acts. And just to give a recap, some of you might need a little bit of recapping on a Sunday morning. We've, last week we spoke about the engine room, the praying that was going on behind the scenes all the time. And that was critical to what was happening out there. But we see, to recap the outside, we see at Pentecost, they went out, preached. 3,000 people came to the Lord. We see the layman being healed and Peter being hauled before the Sanhedrin. And even then, he preached the name of Jesus, telling them they need salvation. This is the spiritual leaders. He's telling them, you need salvation. Then I skipped this part, because I didn't think it was so appropriate for Father's Day. There were um, two people, Ananias and Sapphira. So they lied to God, and they dropped down dead and were dragged out. So we skipped that for today. There were many miracles happening, many people coming to the Lord, and our reading today starts with the spiritual leaders getting really jealous. They were not impressed. so they haul the apostles before them again, and they wrapped them over the knuckles. And what does Peter have the cheek to do? He has the cheek to preach the name of God again. Preach salvation through Jesus to those spiritual leaders. We just see such a passion. And I found the last last while I've, I've been feeling a bit disillusioned because I don't see that in people so much. I'd love to be hear of people saying, oh, I'm going as a missionary to this place. I'm going to this, seeing that passion for the word of God. But I had a wonderful week this last week. On Monday night, um, John and Belinda Norde, I had dinner with them. And we sponsored, we helped contribute towards their going to Malawi as a church a while ago. And he's got spina bifida in a wheelchair. Amazing, amazing man. With his wife and young son, they went off to Malawi. From England, all the comforts. Malawi is missionaries. And he's preaching the word of the Lord there. On Tuesday, I got some info from Open Doors and, and just about all the persecution and all the work that people are doing. Um, to bring the word of god to people in in persecuted countries wednesday beth and etienne i had dinner with them now etienne amazing man of the lord architect highly gifted person gave up everything he's studying in canada Um, he's studying full-time and working all the rest of the hours in the day to try and earn enough money to study and now they're saying lord where do you want us anywhere in the world he thinks he's been called to welcome um, <laughs> God can call you anywhere, so, so you better believe it. But that's, that's where he's feeling he's being called at this point. Uh, I chatted with my sister Jill in Australia. They planted a church her and her husband in Canberra. So you think any of you home group leaders or think of planting something new for the Lord in a small capacity, try planting a new church in, in, a, in a town where you don't know anyone. So they've been there for about eight years, went with young kids. It's just really exciting. I I see people who have left successful corporate jobs and gone into the ministry, just so passionate about telling people about the Lord. And and I see people here who may be restricted in terms of going off to China, but praying for the lost, praying for those they know and love, and and being faithful in prayer. And and that does, and I've seen it particularly the last week, and that's renewed that excitement in me. Because around today... A lot of people are saying, Why bother? Why bother? Religion's a private matter, it's between that person and the individual. And there are a few things I'd say. The first is that Jesus commanded it. Many times in the Gospels, but in fact, his final words, and they're mentioned five times in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and in the book of Acts. All five mention Jesus' last words. Now just think if you were going to knew you were going to die tomorrow, okay, he ascended into heaven, didn't die, but if you were going to die tomorrow, wouldn't you think about the last words you were going to say? His last words were a command for us to preach the good news and the power of the Holy Spirit to the ends of the earth. That was Jesus' command to us, his last words to us. You can't get away from it. To come to Jesus is to come to the Great Commission. can't get around the Great Commission. I'll skip that without getting around Jesus and it's important that we realize that but there's something more because you look at Peter and when he was beaten what happened is he came before the Sanhedrin he preached the word to them and um, they were gonna kill him but there's a a, something happens with Gamaliel and they decide to flog them and release them what happens they've been whipped okay it wasn't like a nice beating whipping and what happens They leave the Sanhedrin. It says, The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. There's a passion in them. I don't know about you, but laws, I feel, okay, I must obey them. Speeding. I got a speeding fine the other day. I was going 102, and uh, Steve and I, because we share cars, we have to look and see the date and see who actually got the speeding fine. And it was, it was me, I confess. I didn't see the 80 sign. We were going up to Mozambique, and it, uh, I was going at 102. Um, but imagine 120, and I try and normally stick to the speed limit. If you're on the road in the Karoo, I've been there, and you're on the road, and you've got to go at 120, and it's just this open road, do you do it with joy and delight? Rules at school, often they're there to be obeyed. But there's not that sense of joy in you. We see in Peter something more than just rule following. I must do this because Jesus said I must. We see that something big is at stake. Something big. And there are two things I would say with that. It comes back to that question of why bother. We've said about the commands of Jesus. But there's something... Today, people would say to us that divine condemnation and eternal separation from God is old-fashioned. It's not really real. We're all part of this one happy family under this benevolent, loving God who welcomes everyone regardless into eternal life. It's often the picture that we're given. But God's word clearly states that men and women without Christ are lost. They are dead. They are eternally separated from God. Much as we might hear a different message out there, that is what this says. Can't get around it. And we see that passion in Peter for the lost. If we look at these words of Jesus, and after the 7 o'clock service, I had someone questioning me on this. What about this? I said, this is what the word of God says. It's not me saying it. And we need to look at that. Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. From 1 John 5, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Simple, black, white. John 14:6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's not that there are many ways to God. There's one way, and that is through Jesus. We, we're actually saying that Jesus is a liar if we say there are many ways to God. We're saying that this word of God is actually not true. So it's a choice. Either there is one way or there are many ways. You have to believe both truths. But this scripture says that there is one way. And I looked, in case you still have questions in your mind, how can that be? I looked through scripture and I thought, let me look at both sides. Let me look for scriptures that say there are more than one way to God. And let me look at scriptures that say the way to God is through Jesus. And here is an example of a few. I didn't put them all up there. But but there are a few, so anybody who wants a printout of that, um, you're welcome to it. Actually, some of you might want that, to go through them and see where the Word of God speaks clearly that Jesus is the way to heaven. It's a truth that we must hold on to. It's clear in Scripture that sin separates us from God. God is holy, and we cannot be near a holy God. There's this big gulf, if you look at the gulf, and on one side it says the wages of sin is death. We're separated. But the gift of God in Jesus Christ is eternal life. It's in Jesus by accepting him as our Lord and Savior. By realizing he died for our sins. We can't be good enough. We can come to church day after, week after week, day after day if you want. We can still be dead in our sins. It's through giving our lives to Jesus. It's said in that reading from John 3, unless you are born again, people often use that term, born again, it's some weird thing. It's that we accept Jesus as our Lord, that we realize he died for our sins, and we live in him. We are dead if we have not accepted him as our Lord. And it's important that it's not just here. You can come to church and say, I believe in God. In scripture it says, even the demons say they believe in God. Do we believe in God here and rest the entirety of our weight upon him? Peter had that passion for the lost because he knew that message was clear. And and I think we need reminding of that message today when the world would speak something else at us. There's a third thing I would say is why bother. And that is that it tells us in Scripture that God wants every person to come to salvation. Every single person. He wants that. He has given us free will so we make the choice. But his desire is that we come to salvation. And that's the Father heart of God. We celebrate Father's Day. The greatest father that we celebrate is our heavenly father who would give us life in Jesus if we would choose it. So this is in Scripture. Choose this day whom you would serve. So I'd say to those of you here this morning, if you have not made that decision to give your life to Jesus, the message of Scripture is clear. It says in Romans 10.9, if we look at the next slide, look at the next one here. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And it's not just a private faith. We have to confess it out to people. How important that is. But the the message is clear. We've got to choose. Not choosing is choosing not. There's no way we can straddle the fence. So I encourage you. I, I read something this week that said you should preach To people as if you were dying and they were dying so if I was preaching that this morning um, lo and behold you wouldn't leave the place but just to grasp what it is to be alive in Christ to to have salvation to have a surety of eternal life and to have his life in us to have no condemnation and forgiveness of our sins don't leave here today without receiving him I'd also speak to those of us who know the life there is in Jesus who've experienced that, who've given our lives to Jesus. The first is a word of encouragement. Many of you are praying for those you love that don't know the Lord. And you can get disillusioned. Is it really going to get anywhere? Keep praying. Keep praying for those you love. But also pray for God to put other people in their paths, because often he uses, we we don't kind of matter too much uh, to them, that our words, but he'll put someone else that will speak that word of truth. But also don't just that's your jerusalem the people you know and love what about your samaria that's the people you feel uncomfortable with you don't interact with so easily you need to be speaking the word of god to them praying for their salvation and what about the ends of the earth how's god calling you to to go to the ends of the earth to go on a mission trip somewhere to go with open doors to be praying if you're not able to it's world cup soccer why don't each match you watch Yes, guys, you're going to be there at the TV. Pray for the teams as well, not just that your chosen side will win, but pray, pray for those countries. Let it just be a reminder, as you're watching the soccer, pray for that country, that God is is real, that his name is lifted high in that country. The other thing I would give to those who know the Lord is a word of warning. That parable of the sower, where it speaks of us as those plants, and there's one part that speaks of the thorns choking. And it says that's, the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. And I'd speak especially to fathers, because there's a special calling on fathers for provision and protection in the family. Never let that role of provision and protection get in the way of your having that faith in Jesus that gives you all. Surrendering yourself. Uh, uh, someone I know, their their child died very suddenly. An older child, and they'd spent so much focus, so much time in their life, focusing on emotionally and physically, especially the physical, supporting that child. And they said, Yes, I encourage them to come along to church, but I didn't speak Jesus' words into them. We didn't pray at home. Never let that be the case with you. It starts at home, but God calls us to spread His word wherever we go. God's heartbeat. God's heartbeat is for everyone to come to salvation. That John 3:16 and 17, where it speaks. I'll read those as I close. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That is God's desire. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. I'd want to end this morning not with the command of Jesus, but with the invitation. That he gives that invitation to each one of us. If we have not made that step of salvation, Jesus would call you today, come. He died for you that you might have eternal life. Would you give your life to him? And he'd speak to those of you have given your life to the lord say would you have my heartbeat for the world would you let me stir it up and have that heartbeat not just for those you love in jerusalem but in samaria and to the ends of the earth let's pray let's just have a time of quiet and let god speak into your heart you know where you're at and so does he say a, a prayer for those who have not made that commitment and would do so today yes it's important that you declare it to someone but it starts with a prayer in your heart of giving your heart to jesus so in your heart you can say these words jesus i thank you for your death on the cross for me i recognize that i'm a sinner and nothing i can do no matter how good i try and be can enable me to cross that gulf that separates me from God. But because of you and your great love, there is a way. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I want to build the rest of my life on you and confess your name to all. In Jesus' name, amen. And I want to say a prayer for those who would be reminded of god's passion for the lost who would have that heartbeat lord i pray for every person here who realizes that their heart for those who are lost has grown a bit dull that they need to be reminded of the longing to you to be made whole in you that there are people who are empty lonely without purpose, and they need to find their purpose in you. They need eternal life in you. I pray for each one of them, that your Holy Spirit fill them right now and enable them to speak your word with boldness. In Jesus' name, amen. And I encourage you, if you prayed that prayer, the first prayer, to come and speak to someone after the service. We'd love to pray with you. We're going to have June um, Dickey. She's from Nigeria. As we talk about missions, here's someone. It becomes real, don't you find, when you meet someone who encounters those people and speaks their stories. So she's going to come and share with us um, of her experience in Nigeria. Come forward, June. Thanks very much. She has, she has spent dedicated her life to translating the, the scriptures. Thanks, June.
1: Everyone. What language does God speak? Does he speak Sutu, Swana, English, Portuguese? How many languages do you think there are in the world? 100? A few more? 1,000? Nearly 7,000. How many of those do you think have never been written down? No alphabet, no books, no scriptures. Out of 6,800, who wants to hazard a guess? Who's going to be brave? Okay, you're a bit more pessimistic than the truth. The truth is about half, about 3,500 languages. That's distinct living languages, not dialects. And of those, about 800 are in Africa. And of those, about 400 are in Nigeria. I worked in Mozambique for about 20 years, and we worked on the Kimwani scriptures. I started, I used to teach here at Danville, and then someone challenged me and said, how much of God would you know if you didn't have a Bible in your own language? And I challenge you to think about that. How much would you know? And if you didn't know anything about God, what difference would it make to your life? And if it would make a difference, that's what made me realize I've got to try and help other people groups have the opportunity to come to know God. So in 1989, my colleagues started. The language had never been written down, so they had to listen, write it down phonetically, work out how many letters there were in the alphabet, where one word began, one word ended, analyze the grammar, the phonology, how the language hangs together, I then arrived five years later, and I started helping put little books out into the community so that the people would see that it was worthwhile to have written material. So we took folk stories, books about how to care for your children, how to grow big potatoes or whatever, how to grow good coconuts in Mozambique. And and then we started teaching the people to read, and then Bible translation. And I had the joy... Of of working on the Bible translation for I don't know 15 years or something and so the result is this it's not a complete Bible but if anyone wants to have a look afterwards I can explain it especially for Muslim community which is why it's green and all sorts of other things I'm going to show you just a, a few minutes a clip which will just show the community in Mozambique how they lived a little bit of the dedication ceremony we dedicated the scriptures last december so you'll see some of the activities of that and then we go into nigeria
2: thank you is like a river a t-
1: last photographs were taken on the 4th of April I had the joy of working with the Kabaku team one of the 400 languages in Nigeria and I worked with a wonderful group of men, uh, you saw the pictures of uh, Luca a math teacher who gave up his holidays to come and work with us 10 days later his 3 daughters were kidnapped and have not been seen since eight weeks two months we've had no news of these 270 girls who were taken last week another 20 to 40 young mothers and girls were kidnapped from a village eight kilometers from Chibok so my heart's breaking for these people they're my friends some of the most godly people I know and they are suffering and so I'm here today on their behalf Just to remind you to pray. The Chibok community is one of many that are devastated at the moment with horrors like this happening. But they're my friends and I'm from Durban North so I'm coming to you and saying please stand with me. Pray for the Chibok community. Pray for Luca, the old man that you saw up there, Philemon. His granddaughters are among that group. Samson is a man of 40. His nephews and nieces will be there. It's a small community. Their hearts have all been broken. So I'm giving you the opportunity. We're having a a letter campaign. I'm going up there on Friday. Next Sunday I'll be there, hopefully with with my colleagues. And I'm hoping to go with a lot of love and support shown from the people of South Africa, Canada, Australia, America. I'm getting letters from all over the world. People are asked to write a short letter of encouragement, comforts, share a scripture, share a prayer, or just say I'm a mom in Durban or I'm, I'm a young girl at school and I, can imagine what it, well, I can't imagine I imagine what it's like, but I'm with you. I'm standing with you. And so if you'd like to do that, there's a, a, a page at the back. Give me your email address. I'll give you details. If you don't have an email, you can pop it in my postbox here. But please pray. Please pray. Every time you think of Nigeria, pray for those girls and their families. Thank you.